Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
know we like to say, well, the rock is digging, the vision is probably like the rock is digging, but for a it's the growth of what the vision is in the person. But this morning, I asked all of you to stand and greet the guests of David and tell them you're glad to see them. Thank you. 
they do. So take your Bible and open this morning to John uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 will also be in John 15 for both today as well. The fanciful story of Rip Van Winkle, which was written by uh, Eugene Nickenbacker, is a fascinating story about a work in first Hidden man named uh, Rip Van Winkle. And as the story is told, we know that he lays down one day while out the squirrel hunting, which is his favorite activity. He's laid down in the Dexfield Mountains, and the story tells us that uh, he was not known for vigorous activity. He was also repelled by liquor, and in such uh, condition, he fell into a rather Twenty years later, when he woke up, he, of course, didn't realize that he had not just slept one night, but he had slept twenty years of nights. Uh, the signs uh, around him shouted to him that he was on the way to the world, but uh, he was having to awaken it. His snowy beard now streaked the blood. His dog wolf disappeared. His previously well-oiled rifle was now inoperative, uh, and it must be the U.S. When he entered into the village in the outskirts of his home, he didn't recognize anything very familiar. No one really recognized him. His familiar haunts had disappeared. They had been replaced by newer, larger buildings. People dressed strangely, and they looked at him and his rough, strange dress as well. And uh, they viewed him with suspiciousness, as he viewed them with suspiciousness. Bands of children hooted at him and uh, kind of trudged along with him in the streets laughing and making fun. Nothing seemed like nothing looked the same, and everything had changed. Well, Many Christians, I think, today in America, there is that feeling of it. Maybe they have uh, ripped and wrinkled to open to a different day, a different age, and a different time, and nothing looks better today. And while we haven't been asleep physically for some time, maybe perhaps we as Christians have been asleep culturally. Maybe we've been asleep spiritually, and we haven't realized how the world is changing around us. I want to say that the world in which we live today is a much different world than uh, my parents lived in some 20 years ago. Today, the world hates more than ever the name of Jesus. Today, the world is more hostile towards Jesus, his truth, and the Bible than it has ever been. And concerning where the world is and what is getting ready to take place, I think there are far in the future that lie just ahead for those who would stand and live courageously for the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand for His Word and to stand for the truth of His Word. We've been in a series that started a few weeks ago in Matthew 24, and of course this is where Jesus has left the temple and he's gone out and he has sat on the 
Let me go to Ezekiel and walk with the revelation that said, you know, in the end, there's going to be one great coming back. The battle of Armageddon that he talked about in that the violent great war came to fall. So wars and rumors of wars. And so those are the first two signs. And then Jesus says, well, not only that, there's going to be Disasters that can strike the world, and there will be tragedies. We certainly have seen that, and I believe that's going to be itself because God will help them. And Jesus says in verse 8, all these things are the beginning of what he calls great things. All right? These are the beginning signs. This is just like a lady uh, who is uh, uh, beginning to go through that growth process of having a child. Those pains come in small, and then they cause cracks and things contraction. And those kinds of things. Uh, when I was here, we cut back in the day, uh, and then of course when the labor market was getting good, uh, when everything gets really big and white ladies, they get sick and things like I don't want to go to the hospital because I'm just kicking my butt. Uh, this is this is serious stuff. Jesus said that's going to be the process for my second coming. These great and wonderful things. Then he says, there's coming destruction. But that's where I want us to be at this morning. Look with me, Matthew 9, uh, Matthew 24, verse 9. Then, after these initial birth pains, after these things that I've been telling you about, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. And who will it in? And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed or will be preached throughout the whole world and as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Right. How bright are the words of Jesus just thinking about for a moment uh, how lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. If there's ever been one person who's been the commentary on the culture of the world in which we live, it is that person. Today is what deep fries the police. Today is proactive. It is sickness and war and horror and justice. And then what? The other part of that is the love of many will grow cold. I mean, today life is cheap. People kill each other over nothing. I mean, I don't have time to worry about just getting in your car and going anywhere. You know, cut someone off. Look at those funny advertisements today. People want to what? Jump out of the gun and then just start shooting and it ain't going to be nothing. And so these are really scary times in which we live in. But I think it fits with what Jesus said. But he also says here that in the preview of what's to come, there's going to be this hatred, this hostility, and horror for Christians. I want you to listen to what John Philip has to say. 
That's what he says in this, this passage here. The 20th century has witnessed a resurgence of savage persecution on a scale never before known. Whole races have been marked for tribulation. The Nazi extermination of 6 million Jews under the conditions of unbelievable The communist Hitler worldwide drive to biodiversity has eliminated the equivalent of an entire Spanish-speaking population of Latin America. The heartless persecution of unwanted people in such places as Vietnam, Cambodia, Cambodia or Ethiopia are so commonplace that we simply turn a blind eye and a deaf ear, deaf ears to the heart of them. And the worst is yet to be. The Holocaust and the Great Tribulation will eclipse all the previous persecutions and a bloodbath that will be used in stone. Ruthless inheritance and deliberate in its purposes and heartless in its operation. I don't know about you, but folks, I can see that's today. That's the day we're living in. Think about the unharmonious laid out for us by the previous epidemic. Listen, if the world hates you, 
servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all of these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for themselves. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their mouth must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Well, why does the world hate us? Because it hates Jesus. The world is not going to listen to Christians because the world is going to listen to Christ. As Jesus says, it was without cause that they hated him, and it's without cause that they hate Christ. And Jesus says, what? The servant is not greater than the master. And if this is our hatred, you do feel the hate. In John 13, verse 16, John tells us, Truly, truly, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. So just expect, just as I have brought the persecution, and will go through persecution, Jesus says, you're going to go through persecution as well. Listen, if, if, if with all the greatness, and all the perfection, and in all the beauty, and of all the loveliness, and all of the wonder of Jesus, did not create it for people a hard conflict with just him. What do you think we can expect if we who are critical Christians try to live like Jesus? It makes sense, doesn't it? If they rejected Jesus who is the perfect one, how much more could we not then expect to be rejected? We're if the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. You know, I think that's one of the most difficult truths for us to grasp as Christians. That the world hates us. And you know, I was, I was seeing a woman redeem herself behind that man on one of the shows that we show. But uh, he, he's, he's, he, he's a, a fellow that his persona, his character is one of uh, being a That may be their one trick to him. That may be exactly his deal. Not just to be a fear, but he will tell you to But you know, most of us aren't that way. Most all of us will, will be moralistic. We want people to think good of us. And, and, and so and sometimes it, it just doesn't compute as a Christian that the world doesn't want us. It's interesting to me, and it's straight down to what Jesus 
it's telling them about us becoming again. And that we have the words, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then he says in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to the world, that the world that the world through him might be saved. And then he says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then Jesus gives commentary on that great verse, John 3 16, and that statement. In verse 19, he says, Nicodemus, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. That's the world you live in, Nicodemus. And listen, Nicodemus is a righteous guy from the world Philippines, and he needed a, 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 a follower of the law, a teacher of the religious rules. You know, he was as good a guy as you could find in society, but he was a moral, upright, and, and a good guy, but he was still lost. And, and, and Nicodemus knew that. Jesus is telling him about the way of salvation and, and, and how it comes by way of about people in faith in him. And, but he's explaining to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you've got to get out of this world to people. Because this world is going to push back. That worldly system is going to reject the truth. And the reason is, is because the world would love living in sin. And love is This world can rather live and die in sin and go to hell and live eternally with God and live in praise and God. Now, I know that blows my mind because we have so believed. God has spoken to us and we received it. But the reason why this world hates us is it hates Second thing I want you to see is what I call the response to the hostility. You're there at John 15. I don't have time to read all of it. But I would encourage you to read John 15 through John 16, all over to John 17. Think just for a moment, and you can look at the, 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 the broader passages here that are just the statements. Uh, in John 16, Jesus walks you in to the, uh, the world called the Holy Spirit. He said, I did not say these things. From the beginning, because I was with you, but I am now going to him who sent me. None of you ask me where you're going, but because I've said these things, sorrow has been in your heart. But nevertheless, he says, I'll tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, then listen, that helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, can't come to nothing. So Jesus says, You're, Don't worry, you're going to get some help from me. One just like me, by way of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 16 of chapter 16, I am a little while, you won't see me uh, any longer. And again, a little while, you will see me. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. You're going to be happy, but then I'm going to rise to my seat. I'm going to die for a little while, you will, but then I'll go to the Father. I'm going to be absent for a while. But take joy. Let your sorrow be turned to joy. But know that, uh, that these things must take place because God God has, it has said he would do. God's going to bring it to pass, and God has proclaimed it, and it's going to be 
says in verse 25, I will overcome the world, because I will overcome the world, you overcome the world. And then in chapter 17, he, he gives that high priest of prayer where Jesus gives his prayer over the detail of the garden. He could go back and over the gate to pray with the disciples. John records for us some part of that prayer that Jesus prayed there in the garden. And, 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 and he's given us the prayer that he has prayed that we might be all right, that we might maintain, that we might stand firm, that we might hold up under the persecution to come. Now, I'll say this, that, that you and I, we may pray prayers that are unfaithful prayers, or we may pray intense prayers that are unanswered prayers because we pray amiss. But dear friend, Jesus never prayed an unfaithful prayer for you and me because we pray a prayer like this. In every prayer, Jesus prayed that his enemies come to the truth by God the Father. And he prayed that you and I could hold up under persecution. So let me ask you, can you hold up under, under persecution? Absolutely. And if for no other reason, Jesus prayed for you. Jesus has said, you are over. Not only have we prayed for you, not only have you told us that we are the Lord of victory through them, Jesus also says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. Well, let me give you how this plays out. Let me illustrate, give a little application to it. You see, there was a man who was being persecuted. The Bible tells us about this fellow. His name was Stephen. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't an apostle. You know what he was? He was a deacon. But he was being persecuted. They were stoning him. You ever thought about what that would have been like as a deacon to watch? Torment by Martha the wife, by your neighbor, your, your, your friend. If you'd have been there, you would have never have heard of such love that was coming out of this man's family, Stephen. Because as he was being tormented, he was praying. As they were hitting him, he was praying, Lord, do not let this sin to their children, Acts chapter 19, verse 17. And he prayed for those who were persecuting him and stoning him. You know what the Bible says about that moment, about Stephen? In chapter 6, verse 15, it says, His face shone like an angel. Hey, listen, God was so wonderful in that moment as he stood his ground and stood his, for his faith that, listen, he looked up at him and died. And he said, I see heaven open. And he said, I see Jesus standing there. Now think about this. I was thinking about this. How come Jesus was seated in heaven? Seated on the throne, I mean. But when you say here Jesus is standing, wouldn't that have been that? There's going to be suffering.
going on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him and said, Saul, Lord, how hard is it? It's hard for me to kick against the drum. What are you talking about? He said, something to go with
what we're very aware of is perhaps we also might be quoting that same sort of literature. The attitude that we don't think that the loaded wood that we think of as a term for chicken and meat to Christian faith today. We don't have the influence and we don't think of the most important thing. We, we don't carry the day today politicians We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and 
are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.